What do you guys want to talk about? I got something to throw out. It's kind of provocative. If I'm the way that I, that I ought to be, why don't I feel the way I ought to feel? <laughs> well, I mean, do you want to have a philosophical com uh, conversation? I, I, I'm throwing that out. Because, because I, people can can't trust your feelings. Well, I would, I would push back to you. Who's to say that? I know what you're going to say. <laughs> oh. Okay. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> I want to hear what I you want to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see some struggling before you give the answer. Because I know what you're going to say. I would just say you can't trust your feelings. You can't always trust your feelings. Oh, they're struggling everywhere. I'm sure of that. Because I know I've struggled lately with just anxiety. We shouldn't feel anxiety when we know God's in charge of everything, right? But I know I have. So I'm right with you. I think as long as we're in, in, the, in this body that we're in, this physical body, that can think the way it thinks, feel the way it feels, be influenced by things outside of us, on us, we are going to feel not good sometimes. There's going to be times when we see the things going on around us that's going to affect us. But that's the whole idea of interpreting what is happening around us through the mind of Christ and understanding, you know, uh, of him and the, and the love that he has for us and the comfort he wants to provide us. Listen, I got something going on right now that is very traumatic, okay? I have uh, somebody who's almost like a stepson to me who is from the Ukraine, and his family is in the Ukraine. They're getting bombed. They're getting bombed. They're getting bombed right now, and I am very, very upset about it. Is that of God to, to be like I am right now about what's going on over there? No, it's not. But this is what happens. I leave the house after watching the news of what's going on over there and how uh, you know Vladimir Putin put his nuclear arsenal on alert. And uh, I'm driving off and I start reflecting on Christ. And I tell Marie, you know, Marie, I don't understand what it is. But I gotta tell you, I have this warmth inside of me, this deep abiding. I feel like I am in front of a fireplace with the heat coming off of it, and this just deep warmth and peace inside of me that I cannot explain this after witnessing this and knowing everything that's going on in this world right now, I feel this great comfort. And it's just not some kind of momentary uh, thing that happened because I forgot about what was going on, now I'm thinking about something different. I know that that is my life. Mm -hmm. I know that that deep abiding peace that is within me right now in the midst of all this stuff is of God. And, uh, but from time to time, I look at the stuff, and I have angst about it. I really do, you know. But uh, I know that my God has a plan for this world, and I know exactly what I know who wins. And and I I think the end game in all of the things that happen in this world are to His end, and I can rest in that. I can, so. It's not that you're not going to feel 
the Hanks on occasion, but thank God we are in him and he is in us. And he can comfort our hearts in the midst of all of the stuff that comes to us, you know. That's, that is how, how I experience all of that. Well, Jesus felt the angst. Oh, yeah, I would say so, yes. Because he took the body, he took our body on. You know? Now, is your question regarding physical pain or more the anxiety, like, or, or the whole thing? I, I think it's a question that could be answered in any context by anybody here. I mean, it could be physical, it could be emotional, it could be relational, it could be financial, it could be uh, uh, confusion, it could be any number of things. Uh, it's, it stems from a conversation I had with my daughter on the way over here. We were talking about it, and I thought I'd throw it out. Because there can be, I, I know Greg's going to connect our thoughts with us, but I think there's a uh, comfort that comes from knowing that you're not alone in your struggle. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's why AA is so popular. People go and they talk about their problems, and it's great that they can uh, uh, commiserate with each other. But unless they're talking about Jesus as a solution, they're not going to go with their problems. But that's part of the draw of those kind of uh, gatherings: is that people feel um, that they're not alone in their suffering. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I I think it goes back to what we talked about on Wednesday night. I think it fits, you know, talking about God being with us in the midst of those trials and tribulations and to know that you're not an orphan and that you're not alone and that you're, the accusations of the devil are meaningless because God is with us. And, you know, we were talking about how do, what do you say to a family who's lost a child, right? That's a hard one other than, you know, God is with you and he's been through what you've been through. He knows what you're feeling. He, so for all of us to struggle with looking at the news and seeing what's on the news, it's like you said, God's got a plan. He's with us. He, he's, he's there. And there's a reality. It, it's not just, you know, it, it, anybody can maybe like say, God, oh, God is with us. Oh, God is, you know, he's, he's with us in all of this. And he is in it with all of us. But he really is with us and that he has given us his comforter. And, and I'm telling you, that's where, when I was having angst there, and I'm driving to church here, I am feeling the effects of his comforter, the Holy Spirit that lives within me. Right. You know? Exactly. And so it's more than just the, the idea that he is with you. It's the reality that he is with you, yeah, and yeah. even in you. Right. And man, I tell you what, I thank God for that, that God that gave us that gift. What, what those people need to hear... And I don't even know that, that they need to hear it. The reason why you have the Holy Spirit is so that you see it. Right. The, the whole point about having the Holy Spirit is you see life differently instead yeah. of with your natural eyes. Right. Yeah. So what the Holy Spirit would be working to do with those people that lose their little girl is to give them eyes to see God there in the midst of that, condemning the death that came against their little girl. Right. To where what would be born in them is that when they saw that, it's not ethereal, it's that you see it. Right. Like you see God there. Right? right? That's the whole point of being face-to-face with God. You see God there, and you see God conquering your daughter's death. Yeah. And then what happens is something becomes born in you, like Paul. Nothing can separate me from spending eternity with my daughter. Right? right? right. And then the Spirit of the Son wells up inside of you. This one thing I know. 
that I will stand with my daughter in glorified flesh mm. and spend all eternity with her in the earth. Yeah. Right? That's called hope. Yeah. Right. Well, hope set, Paul says, hope maketh not ashamed. Yeah. Hope doesn't leave you in shame or confounded. Right. What it does is it gives you a confident expectation right. that your daughter hasn't been stolen from you, that you come behind in no good thing, that not even the death in the world could take from you because God, you see God there. That's the whole point. You see God there. Right. We, we've made all the Christian Christianese into cliches, mm-hmm. right? God's got a plan. Well, if you don't fill out the thought, people, I'm telling you, the carnal mind jumps to, well, God's plan is that my daughter died. Yeah, yeah. No, that ain't his plan. He her right? right? And so that, that leaves people thinking all that nonsense. And so when we say that, that God's got a plan, I don't say you can't use religious cliches. But one of the things we build this church on, if you guys haven't realized, is filling out what these thoughts actually yes. mean. Yes. Right? Exactly. And so it's, it's connecting these things. What's the point of having the Holy Spirit? Paul said we're saved. In the day, we encounter tribulation through hope. What hope? The hope that comes when you have eyes to see God there with you, condemning the death that is trying to come against your life. Right? right? That saves your soul in that day. How does it save your soul? It gives you a certainty a confident expectation that nothing can separate you from your daughter. That neither death. That's why he goes into neither death, neither life. He goes into the whole thing. He wasn't telling you you need to work that out. He was telling you what was worked out in him. He was telling you what the Holy Spirit did for him. And he was telling you, like that family right now is feeling like a lamb being led away to the slaughter. And they think they don't have a shepherd. They didn't have someone to shepherd their life. And who was shepherding their daughter's life? And she was just a lamb being led away to the slaughter. Where's God? That's what the carnal mind says. Because the carnal mind, Paul says, can't comprehend God's there. Right? Right? They can't see that God's there. And Paul comes and says, through Christ, I see now God is in the midst of all this with me. Christ gave me eyes to see God there. And not only do I see God there, I see God disrespecting the death that's trying to destroy me. And I see there's a certainty of life manifesting in me and in my daughter. And you start living with that boldness, that confidence in you. That saves your heart from the the trauma that that death is trying to serve you with. It keeps that death from being conceived in you. There's a difference between being stung by the death like Maurice just talked about, and then that sting being conceived in you, yeah. right? Yeah. That's what they need. Yeah. That's what they need to hear, yeah. right? And that's the only thing that will save them. You see, but the world will come and tell them, and they'll start twisting on the thoughts of the world. You'll never be the same. <laughs> and then all our friends will get on Facebook and say it. I tell you this, God ain't come down and said you'll never be the same. That, I, I'm just going to say it as radically as it is. And it's not to paint these people as if they're trying to do this. But that's the voice of the world, and it's trampling underfoot the Son of God. Yes. Is what it's doing. Yeah. And it's exalting the death in the earth above God, yeah. is what it does. Now, I know why we do it. We get emotional, we feel upset, and we come with the world's cliches, you know, like FOMO. Yeah. Fear of missing out, right? <laughs> All of our stuff has been around with... Uh, they. They died so young. Who says? Who said that? Right? They didn't live a full life. Who said they didn't live a full life? Who said that? Listen, man, we don't realize our society is busy with the carnal mind. And we rejoice and celebrate it like it's the truth. All the time not realizing the suffering that it serves us. Now and forevermore. And so what I would say is, who says those feelings aren't as they ought to be? 
Because I, that's a false premise to me. You have to first prove that those feelings of anxiety and everything else isn't as it ought to be. Who says it's not? I knew you were going to say that. I knew you knew I was going to say that. Because <laughs> we think the same. Right? I'm going to dissect that thought. I mean, I, I'm not going to allow that premise. I mean, we're gonna, you're going to have to first prove the premise before we're going to build something on top of it. Right? Because I, I think that that would be a lie. That those feelings aren't as they ought to be. And I lived through that. I lived through the period of time because of my perfectionism. I thought I'm going to work the gospel to the place where I never had a negative feeling. And I thought every time I had a negative feeling, it was a sign that I wasn't as I ought to be. And so then I spent all my time lamenting with God about the unbelief coming out of me. All the while, there was no unbelief in there. I was judging myself unrighteously because of the angst I felt. Well, you know, how, you know how God always blows everything up for me? I can make all these compelling theological arguments. I can do all these things to connect all these scriptures. But you just look at it in Jesus. And if what you want to believe about yourself isn't seen in Jesus, well, you know it's garbage. Yeah. And you know it's wrong. Right? So you know what God commented to me? He said, well, Greg, do you think Jesus felt anxiety when he was sweating blood? <clears throat> Well, it was Jesus now not as he ought to be? And so now I'm thinking of Jesus as the Son of Man, and I spend a couple weeks twisting on that. And then he takes it to a whole nother level. And I'm glad you mentioned AA, because the week I get back, I'm preaching about how God's our support group. And there's going to be a whole lot of tenderness in that for people. You know, I, I get in these modes where I, I'm preaching doctrine, 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 and people think, oh, is there any tenderness in grace? Man, I am so tender, it would make, I would nauseate you if I just let it out. But after twisting on it for a while, Jesus, the Son of Man, but the Son of God, he couldn't be sinning. So it couldn't be a sin that he felt anxiety. So it couldn't be that was him not partaking in life. It can't be that he wasn't as he ought to be. And so I twist on that for a while, and it's serving me with strength, and I'm feeling real happy about that. Next thing I know, God says, well, G well Greg, isn't Jesus God? Isn't that me? Oh. See, now, now that changes the whole conversation because now there's God there. And when God put on my dying body, he felt anxiety. Okay. Now, how can I judge now that the feeling of anxiety is now a sign that I'm separated from life or I'm separated from some good thing or that something's going on in me that isn't as it ought to be because God himself, when he put on my body of death, and he tasted the full weight of death and weakness coming against his body. He sweat blood. God. Mm. Now listen, what I, what I want to tell you is that completely plucked out of my heart any negative judgment about myself when I had a negative feeling. And you know what it did? It shrunk the power of all those negative emotions. Yes. And it got me off of the hamster wheel of trying to deliver myself from having a negative emotion. Mm. And what it did was it popped open my eyes to where I saw God face to face with me right in the midst of having my negative emotions. Because You see God face to face in that dynamic when you realize God felt the same thing you felt when he tasted the death you were tasting. God himself. All of a sudden, there's no distance. You ain't looking at God's backside. You look at him right in the face. And you see, that's why I'm going to preach God's our support group. Because you're looking at him right in the face and you see that God it feels the same thing you felt. 
All of a sudden, man, everything fades to black. As that Metallica song, it says, fade to black. All the negativity fades to black. All the unrighteous judgments about what it means that you feel negative, all the examining of yourself to try to get to the bottom of what's making you feel negative so you can no longer feel negative, that's living by your own strength still. If you're examining yourself trying to get to the place where you never feel negative again. Right? That's a, that's a temptation. That's getting down to the nitty-gritty. In fact, that was the last time. That's the last thing the devil really had in me. Was me judging myself as being in unbelief every time I had a negative emotion. And yet that left me all the time focusing on myself and how to get out of this negative emotion. But the moment I saw God himself, when he put on my skin suit, and you guys have heard me say that a lot, when God himself put on my skin suit and felt the weakness that I feel, my man sweat blood. Okay, so now how I'm going to despise myself. That's God. All right, listen, as much as I've been convinced that I'm a, a treasure in God's eyes and that I'm the apple of his eye and that everything he did, like Marie so beautifully said, was for me, as much as I'm persuaded about that, listen, man, I'm not God. And I don't reach the magnitude of the strength of God. I'm a, I'm a man. And if that guy, God, the creator of everything, in whom there is no darkness, there's only light, if eternal life itself, when it put on my skin suit, it felt the weakness I feel, and it sweat blood. Listen, man, how am I going to despise myself, who is not eternal life, for feeling weakness? How am I going to despise myself from that? I tell you what, despising myself has been far removed from me. But I was despising myself for a whole long time. Why do I feel this? What's wrong with me that I feel this? Where's the unbelief? I'm telling you, you guys think I'm joking. I've spent hours in the room talking to God about where the unbelief was. So we can get rid of it. So I could just feel right. You know what? When I stopped thinking like that, you know what started happening? I started to feel right. Yeah. Yes. Right. I started to feel comfort. Yeah. Right? I found comfort, like Thomas so beautifully said, a support group. Why does it comfort you? Because you don't feel judged. You don't feel like anybody's despising you. Because you look in their face and you know they felt what you feel. They've lived it. They've walked it. That's why you don't want to hear from nobody that ain't walked a mile in your shoes. Like Jim Richards so beautiful, or not Jim Richards, Jim Dixon so beautifully pointed out when he was in Bible uh, seminary and they went down to uh, the French Quarter to minister pe to people during Mardi Gras. And he went up to a, a homeless drunk guy on the street trying to minister Christ to him. You know what the guy said to him? Come live with me for two weeks and then I'll listen to you about your Christ. Otherwise, get the F out of here. You hear what that guy's saying? Don't come freaking talking to me about nothing till you walk a mile in my shoes. Because we want to know someone's intimately acquainted with what we felt before we're going to hear them, before we're going to listen to them. That's why support groups are powerful. They don't despise me. They don't judge me. They felt it. And now I feel comfort in a group where everybody knows my name. It's like cheers. We want to go where everybody knows our name. We want to go where everybody is intimately acquainted with what we've experienced. I thought right? that was Applebee's. No, it's cheers. It's cheers, man. Don't you haven't you seen the commercial? No, I haven't. I don't have TV anymore. So Applebee's cool. has that song for their oh, song. the cheers song. <laughs> and so God, one of the ways that He sets us free from judging ourselves for having a negative emotion, is He shows us that that negative emotion isn't a sign we're separated from what we need for life. Neither is it a sign that we're not as we ought to be, because we are. What do I want to say? We know we've been created for life, and even in our subconscious mind, 
we know what the fruit of life is and what the fruit of death is. Right. And anytime we think death or the fruit of death is present, it's like a gigantic warning signal to us that something is not as it ought to be. Something is wrong. What's wrong? What is it? And we start looking, right? Well, what's wrong isn't how you feel. What's wrong is the death. <laughs> and God himself, when he stepped into this world, surrounded by death, felt what you feel, right? And now you look in God's face and you see even he felt it. You stop despising yourself. You see he never despised you for your weakness, right? And then, listen, that starts comforting you and you start being let out of judging yourself. I promise you, the, I used to think the feeling was the pain, the discomfort. And I'm not saying I like the discomfort, but what I want to say is the real pain was my judgment about what it meant that I was feeling the discomfort, right? right? That unrighteous judgment. Because Jesus says something powerful. He said the truth will make you free. He didn't just say that in situations that are good, even in bad situations. If your view of that bad situation is born from the truth, it will set you free. So you can even have a view about something that's horrible, and because the view that you have about what's horrible is the truth, you can be set free from that which is horrible. If you're following my logic there, right? That's how Jesus could be set free when he was dying on the cross. Because even the view he had about what was happening at the cross was born from the truth. And that truth set him free from the sting of death. It set him free from the fear that comes from death. It set him free from uh, falling prey to the weak and beggarly elements of the world because his judgment about what all this meant was righteous. And so the thing that was burning me wasn't the feeling. It was the judgment I made about having the feeling that was unrighteous, right? And I was making all these conclusions about myself. Then you start making conclusions about the gospel. (laughs) This gospel is garbage. It doesn't work. Who said it's going to keep you from ever feeling discomfort? Nobody. Who said it's going to get you to the place where you never feel pressed in on? That's a lie. What it's going to do is like Marie so beautifully pointed out. There's a certainty of comfort in the faith that was revealed in Jesus. So it's not going to keep you from feeling discomfort. But what's going to happen... In the middle of the sentence. <laughs> What's going to happen? Good morning. <laughs> and Thomas, thank you for asking the question. Oh my gosh, that was awesome. What it will do for you is that when you feel the discomfort, you connect with the faith that was revealed in Jesus, and there's a certainty of comfort in that faith. Right? And so I used to think I'm going to circumvent the discomfort and never get it again. And I promise you, if you think you can get there, don't be a fool. I already did that for you. And I, and I promise you, I did it to the umpteenth degree that it could be done. So I've been there, done that. Save yourself some suffering. Yeah, right. Right? Yes. And the, the, this is the funny thing. The thing I was trying to get by never feeling it anymore, I have now. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if I feel it anymore. It, because the, the negative feeling, the pressing, the angst, the anxiety has been shrunk, right? Because I promise you, when your eyes have been plopped open, that's one of the reasons why God gives you the Holy Spirit. It's to see God present with you. I promise you, if you see God present with you, you ain't worried about how you feel. All of a sudden, that makes it a light affliction. Is it a, was it Elisha that was in the house with his servant, and then all the armies 
of, of is it the Philistines that, or somebody that came and they're out circling around Elisha and Elisha ain't stressed out? You know why he ain't stressed out? What did he see with his eyes? The army of the Lord. Right. But the servant was very stressed out. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do? Looking out the window. What is going to happen to us? What did Elijah say? Lord, give them eyes to see what I see. Right. Well, all of a sudden, the servant saw the 10,000 angels standing there. And you know what got real small in the presence of 10,000 angels? The army that just a second ago looked gigantic. Right. And so the whole point, one of the whole points of the gospel, you could, I mean, you could boil down the gospel to so many different pictures of the same thing, is that God hath poured out of himself his spirit. Because his spirit sees him. His spirit is him. And so his spirit sees him in the midst of all things. And so when that spirit dwells in you, guess what you start to see? God there with you in the midst of everything. God present with you in the midst of everything. I promise you, if you see God present with you in the midst of everything, whatever it is, the affliction you see or the affliction you feel, it becomes small, right? But if your mind becomes filled with the affliction, there's something's wrong that you feel the affliction. See, now you, you have eyes to see the affliction instead of the God who overcomes affliction, right? Then the affliction grows. It festers up, right? Like I got an oily head and I got these veins that pop out of my head. And so, man, I get like blemishes right here on my temple all the time. I'm always rubbing my head right here because it's bald and it feels nice. I mean, <laughs> seriously, I mean, it's like soothing. Oh, right. Oh, it's... well, man, my hands are oily. Listen, you know what happens? I start focusing on a blemish right there. That thing swells up. It gets gigantic. It becomes larger than life. I look in the mirror and I don't see my face no more. I just see this blemish. If you wouldn't have brought that to my attention, I wouldn't even know you had a blemish. Well, that's my whole point. But it's the same thing with affliction, guys. The affliction is trying to be lifted up in our sight. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Right? It's testifying to us. It's speaking to us. And it's telling us God's not there. If God's not there then life isn't present with you. And what you need to have peace and love and joy isn't present with you. Because God with you is life with you. God is a person. He's Father, absolutely. But one of the powerful things of seeing God there with you is it ministers to your heart that life is present there with you. Mm -hmm. That everything you need to have life is present there with you. Well, you know what happens to you when you think that? You become like the psalmist. Yea, though I walk through the valley shadowed by death. Fear, I fear no evil. The death in the world is not lifted up in my heart. Why? Because you are with me, O Lord. When he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I do not lack. What's he saying? I have eyes to see the Father with me shepherding my life. That means I come behind and no good thing I need to have a life full of peace and love and joy. Okay, you see what that does? It keeps the death or the evil, the affliction that's trying to get magnified in your eyes, it keeps it from growing and it shrinks it down. Right? And that thing that was tall and was yelling at you and screaming in your face, I think there's a movie where there's this thing that's big and yelling in your face and then it shrinks right in front of them and it becomes this little bitty tiny thing. And the voice becomes like a little bitty mouth. You didn't hear what you're saying? I don't think I saw that one. Ant-Man does that, but I think I can't remember what movie it is. But that's what the gospel will do. 
right? The, the, the affliction and the death in the world, the negative emotion, that feeling is trying to become exalted in your eyes. And the way that it gets it right to be exalted in your eyes is it convinces you that it's a sign God's not present there. Because, after all, there's no death in God. There's no darkness in God. There's only light and life in God. Well, if I'm in the midst of all death and all darkness, then how can it be that God's here? Right? right? Do you see the way our mind concludes things? And so we're looking for evidence that God's here. And we're looking for evidence that God's here based on how we feel and based on what we see, whether we see life or death or whether we feel life or death. Well, if you're living by that, listen, man, that's the carnal mind. God come and showed that he's with us in the man, Christ Jesus. Behold, God with you, in the midst with you. Behold, everything you need to have life is present with you, right? right. And you start living by that instead. And, and so, yeah, what Maurice says is, is beautiful. That's why Jesus said one thing is needful, to sit at his feet. Right? It's not a religious work. It's not you're, you're not giving God a ticket or some tender so he'll do something for you. It's just that in him is the comfort and the life you need. And so when you connect with him, guess what the result is? Comfort and life. Intimacy with God equals oneness. You participating in union. Well, you know what comes... I mean, look at these guys. She's pregnant here, right? They've had intimacy with each other. You see what came forth from that? Fruit. So out of intimacy with God, when you feel anxiety, you know what's coming forth? Fruit. You know what kind of fruit's coming forth? Comfort, peace, joy. Things like Paul saying, even should I float in the ocean and fishes are nibbling at my feet, nothing can separate me from life. You see what he's saying there? Why does he say that? He didn't say it because someone told him that's the right thing to say. And if you want to be a good Christian boy, you better make sure you say that. That's not what he was saying. He was saying that, listen, man, I was all the time tormented by this body of death. And this body of death was telling me God wasn't present there with me. And if God wasn't present there with me, then I was separated from the good that I needed to have a life full of peace and love and joy. And I felt like a wretch. But then I see through the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, now I see through the Holy Spirit being poured out on all flesh, God was with me condemning that body of death inside of the body of Jesus' resurrection. And now I have eyes to see God present with me. Hallelujah. Now I have eyes to see that life is present with me. That I come behind and no good thing that I need to have a life full of peace and love and joy. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's what he's talking about when he talks about all the hell that happens. He's recanting the psalmist. He's recanting Jesus. He's putting different words on it. Right? He's, I see God with me. And so you can come to all types of theological uh, answers that are the truth that can serve you well. Um, but if it, rather than grapple with all that to try to persuade yourself, because you could just listen to me and I'll keep saying it over and over and over again. <laughs> ask God to give you eyes to see him with you in everything. Right. And ask him to give you eyes to see. That means what you need for life is present with you in him. Mm. Ask God to take your eyes off of all the things that you think are a sign that you don't have the good that you need to have a life full of peace and love and joy. And just pray with him about that for a while, right? And pray with him about what, he, what he's done in Jesus to overcome the death in the world, right? It's a simple prayer. Give me eyes to see you, right? And I promise you, those negative feelings just become like a, a light affliction. 
You, you don't have them, but as quick as... The, it's not that you don't... You stop having them, but as quick as they come, they quickly go. It's like they come and they go. The guy, same guy that Dave, that ordained me, he used to say, talking about trials. This guy lived through hell, man. <laughs> talking about trials. You know, he evangelized all of Russia since we were talking about it. Rick Renner Ministries. He planted that there way, way, way back when. And so this guy lived through a lot of hell. And he said that, uh, why did it come? Speaking of the storm... It came to pass. <laughs> it's real simple. Right? We want to get so lofty in our intellectualism and our much understanding that we completely forget about living from the heart. God's not living by the intellect. That will mess you up. That doesn't mean he can't be intellectual. But God's living from the heart. Right? And a very simple thing like that. You just, every time a storm comes... He concluded that it meant the storm came, and the reason why it came was to pass. So he's watching it go just as quickly as it came. Listen, man, I promise you what we're doing when we see a storm come is we thinking it's a vortex over us, and there's a vacuum, and it's going to sit right here. What was it like seven years ago? One of the hurricanes came, and it wasn't a strong hurricane, but the low pressure kept it sitting here for like three days. You remember that? Oh. It's still left. It's still left. But that's how we feel many times. If we don't see God there present with us, we think the storm is like camped out. You know, it's a vortex. The vacuum is keeping it here. You know? And even in the worst of circumstances, the storm's still going to pass. That's exactly right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it, 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 can't, it can't but pass. That's the only thing that it can do. Just like sin and death, guys. You know, sin and death does not have eternal life. So how do you think it's going to uphold itself? It's like a parasite. It needs a host. So sin and death can only but capitulate on itself. It brings itself to an end when you let it loose. To fully manifest itself. It capitulates on itself. It goes away. It brings itself to an end. It's not self-sustaining. You just start looking at things differently. I talked about this last week. I think at the, the beginning of the message. When I was a child, I was busy with childish things. But now that I'm a man, and I know myself as I've always been known by God, mm-hmm. by seeing myself in the face of Jesus Christ, face to face, it gives me eyes to see Father yeah. with me. Right. And when, when you call God Father, what it means is He's there fathering His life in you, yeah. serving you with the life you need. And so then your eyes get to him. What does the psalmist say? You prepare a table for me. And does it, does it say he moved the enemies out of the way and then the table could be there? No. No, no, no. Did he say that the enemies had to be moved out of the way for there to be a table to be there? No. No. It says, I see you there with me and I see there's a table of life right there. In the midst. So what do you see in the midst of the darkness? You begin to see life there. You know what? You start feeding on the life instead of feeding on the affliction. You know what happens when you feed on the life? There's grace for you in the life of God. Grace is strength. Mm Do you know what there is for you if you're feeding on the affliction? Death. Death. Weakness. You feel weakness. Right? Right. Weakness upon weakness. It's like eating a whole bunch of junk food. Listen, people would bring me fudge in, in Colorado, man. When I was depressed because I couldn't run anymore, I started eating. I started doing drugs again, and the drugs I did would give you the munchies. And so I started eating chocolate like you couldn't imagine. 
probably the most, de- that was probably more depressing than when I was a, a, a young kid. But man, I would eat so much chocolate, I would become in a, like a chocolate uh, coma where I felt so bad I couldn't even get up off the sofa. That's what happens if you feed on the affliction. It's one thing if the if you see there's affliction, but if you feed on it, mm-hmm. like I preached a, f- a few weeks ago, if it's lifted up in your sight as if it is the Almighty God, mm-hmm. I promise you affliction is not the Almighty God. It's not. Does that make any sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. absolutely. Very good. Right? We recognize it's the voice of the serpent telling you you're not as you ought to be when you feel negative. And he's trying to put you in bondage He's trying to entangle you again with the yoke of bondage. He's trying to entangle you with the weak and beggarly elements of the world. Touch not, taste not, handle not. He's trying to entangle you again with the things in the world as if the power for you to find your desire for life satisfied is contained in the good in the world you can gather to yourself. Right? Because now not only are you laboring and toiling, but you're all the time looking for life in the world. You know what's coming more upon more if you're looking for life in the world? Weakness. The feeling that you hate to have. The feeling that you already despise is not being right. There's more of it for you if you think there's some good thing in the world that can take care of that. Right? I promise you the table's, the, the world's preparing the table also. Right? And it looks good for food. There's, uh, there's no end to as soon as. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One thing with the carnal mind, you can't calm anybody. You can't comfort anybody. No. The carnal mind cannot be comforted. Because it takes an incorruptible life to be comforted. And you can't comfort anybody, neither with it. No, and the carnal mind can't comprehend God, so it can't comprehend. The only life it comprehends is the life that's in the world. Like, like I pointed out, the, one of the definitions of carnal, when you combine it with mind, is a, is a mind that's filled with corruptible flesh. <laughs> right? Well, you can't comfort a mind filled with corruptible flesh. Right? We can see death with our eyes, but we have to see that death through Jesus' eyes. We have to see our that death through a life that overcomes yeah, the grave. Right. right? Our mind, we, you can see death without your mind being filled with it. Like, I see death, but my mind is filled with an incorruptible life, right? And so that incorruptible life that my mind is filled with interprets for me the death, and it discerns the thoughts and intents of my heart about the death that I see. And it keeps the carnal mind from being sowed into my heart, and what it does is is it sows the spiritual mind into my heart. It reinforces it, right? Like a two-edged sword, sharper than a two-edged sword. The circumcision of the heart. Not of the the for, the flesh, of the foreskin. Even Jesus, when he saw Lazarus, cried. Yeah. yeah. So he saw death and it affected him, but he knew what the end result was. Yeah. He knew he was going to raise him from the dead. That's the way we have to look at it. Yeah, you look at it through life. Yeah. Yeah. When you look when you look at the death that's in the world, and you interpret it properly, you would say. Death has swallowed up, has been swallowed up in victory. And though that thing may exist, that is what, not what my life is wrapped up in. I'm not wrapped up in the death. The death may exist, 
but that is not me. That's right. It's not not who I am. Not the end result. Yeah, the the a guy in Myrtle Beach that recently passed away who came to all the meetings over in Myrtle Beach and he was really grabbing a hold of what I said and he made a post after I was there about what I was talking about, the forgiveness of sin. Right? What happens is is when Jesus come upon those people and said your sin is forgiven you, that meant something to them. Right. Those guys thought they were one body with sin and death. And when Jesus says your sin is forgiven you, what he's saying to them is you are not one flesh mm. with that sickness. Mm. You are not one flesh with that disease. You are not one flesh with sin. And he's sending away from them. Yeah. Right? Like Marisa so beautifully pointing out, we are not one body with the death in the world. No. We are one body with the life of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Yeah. We are not one with the life that's in this world. Our life is not intertwined with the dust. Our life is intertwined with the heavenly substance that is the very life of God Almighty. Right? Right. Yeah. That's the power of the forgiveness of sin. You're one flesh with an incorruptible life. What? <laughs> Listen, man, you start twisting on that. <laughs> right? That's good news. I mean, why do you think Jesus cried out, Abba? He saw the Father there. He saw the table of life. That's good. Very good. That's what we struggle to see when we encounter death. Death tries to give us blindness. Right? When you, when you, when you read about the cross in the scriptures, it talks about a thick darkness. We all know a thick fog. And so we, we can get a good visual of what that's talking about. It's talking about the darkness was so thick you couldn't barely see through it at all. Well, when we encounter death, like your friends, when you encounter that kind of a thing, listen, a thick darkness is trying to come. And the, that, that thick darkness is speaking of bringing a blindness to where you don't see God there with you. It makes you blind to God with you. And then you don't see what God's done to that death that tried to come against your daughter. You don't see that God was with her, even in her, upholding her heart, even while the death came. Your mind starts imagining all these heinous things about your poor little girl, your poor little thing. Instead of seeing, no, 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 God kept her heart. There was no fear in her. There was no afraid. She saw God, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's like that woman in, in the church. I told you, Dave's daughter that had her grandkids because her daughter was addicted to meth. And then her daughter came back and said, we cleaned ourselves up. My boyfriend's clean. And so she gave him the grandkids back. It wasn't four months later that the boyfriend put the little boy in a plastic bag and beat him to death with a bat. Mm. Now, I watched that woman come to church for five years, tormented, thinking that it was her fault. And she would all the time need prayer and all the time talk about what happened to that little boy and the pain and the suffering and the hurt that he experienced because of what she did. And you can see the carnal mind was telling her about everything this child had gone through and all the hurt and all the pain. Man, one day... She's weeping with like tears of joy this time. And she gets up on stage and she grabs the microphone. And she said, God just showed me that Jesus was in the bag with my grandson. And that he didn't see or feel anything. And that all he saw was Jesus. Poof! All that pain, gone. Just like that. From what? Seeing Jesus. And seeing that Jesus was there with the grandson. And that he was holding the grandson. Right? I mean, who told us they felt all those things? We run down the road with all the hell. 
I promise you, God didn't come down and didn't tell you, well, yeah, you're right, I wasn't there. <laughs> you see how we interpret God wasn't there? Because look what happened. Right. Yes. And then what happens to all of our emotions and thoughts when we look at it that way? That woman delivered like that, man. I used to feel bad for her. I was, I was a child in the Lord then. I did not know what I know now. And so I had all the same thoughts she had. And I would have felt the same way. Right. I would have, look what I did. Right. Look, at how, look at what happened because of me. Right? And so when she got up there and said that, it's freaking powerful for that whole place because yes. everybody knew the pain that that woman had felt. Amen. And everybody had felt it with her. Yeah. And everybody could identify. Right? But it wasn't like Jesus went back in time and did that. That was how it happened. Yeah. Notice how none of us had concluded that that was how it happened? Right. Why? <laughs> Do you see how we're so apt for death to be glorified in our eyes? Yes. Yes. I'm telling you, it's like I preached like a month ago. Death is lifted up in our heart as if death is the Almighty God. Mm-hmm. And our thoughts betray that that's how our hearts see it. Yes. Right? Right. Because our thoughts are consistent with death is the almighty God. Mm. Right? Mm. But in that moment, man, none of us knew why we felt better. But do you realize what what God was doing in that moment through the Holy Spirit? He was showing us that the death that came against that little boy is not the almighty God. Mm -hmm. He's the almighty God. Right? Right? Right. And we couldn't have put words to it, but that's why we felt delivered. Because all of a sudden, the evil wasn't lifted up in our heart. God was lifted up in our heart, right? Mm -hmm. And then what happened was fear was sent away from us. Pain was sent away from us. Hurt was sent away from us because God was exalted in our heart instead of the horrible thing that happened. You see? Yes. It it, it bears mentioning, I believe, that um, knowing what that mother knew, the the grandmother knew at that time, uh, isn't something she figured out. It's something that happened to her. Yeah, a vision. And uh, so we all have something we're thinking right now. What about this? <laughs> right? I bet everybody, but if we went around the table, everybody has a, well, what about, you know, fill in the blank. Everybody's got that what about. Mm-hmm. And uh, just by way of an example, just to try to persuade you at this point, uh, you know, we all, we all, we, we all want to have that knowing. Right? We want to have that knowing. How do, I, how, do, how do I get that? That knowing sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Right. Your grandson got murdered in a plastic bag and you still have a piece that surpasses the horror of that? Don't you want that? How do you get that? Right. I think it happens to you. When my mother died, my dad called me. Right when I heard she died from my dad's mouth, oh, I had this thing go through me and I just knew. Couldn't prove it, don't have to, that she's with the Lord. Yeah. It just from, never had a doubt. Right. I just knew. Right. It just happened. It went through me, and it's secure. That's, I think that's what the Holy Spirit uh, does. Mm-hmm. So don't fall to the temptation of, well, how do I get that? <laughs> uh, it's like a friend of mine used to say, you got it, you just don't get it. Mm. 